Climber. Today, I'm gonna open up my super secret songwriting playbook, my external brain, my book of spells, my little black book. If you wanna look into my music business brainstorming, look no further. This episode reveals how this pro songwriter will be attacking the music business in 2023. So listen up. Johnny, do that thing. Welcome to the club! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is what you're going to need. Proof that your art has value in the marketplace. Not that it's good. There's plenty of good art that just for whatever reason doesn't have value in the marketplace. So if you're an artist, you need a following. You need cash flow. If you're a writer, you need some hooks. You need some or some cuts, some holds, you know, some proof that it's been going on. And that's the name of the game. That's what the new music business is all about. The good news is you get to do it yourself. The bad news is you got to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a climb. That's why we called it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. It's a backstory from my good friend, co-host, and partner in crime, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Lady A, Randy Travis, Joe Nichols, and more. He had a couple Southern Gospel number ones in the last couple years. Currently got a top 20 going on in Australia as we speak. Mm-hmm. The man is, he's not even nationwide. ZZ Top said nationwide. Brent said, that's cute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I love about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro. By teaching you how to write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then when those two trains are on the track and moving healthily, steadily, surely, upward and onward, the cabooses, the relationships, he gets you connected to the pros. You can find him very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Look, if you're an artist trying to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular, no S. And there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. Hey, brother. Hey, man. Well, a happy uh, post-Thanksgiving by the time we uh, release this, but happy pre-Thanksgiving by the time we record this. Yeah, well, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. Are you uh, where are you guys going? You got everybody that you know is like within a mile radius of your house. Yeah. So uh, actually, we're going, but Hazel has strep again. I think my wife has strep again, so they will be staying home and Ooh. not not infecting all the grandparents. So we'll with disease. To, yeah. So we'll your family's be been riddled with disease for like a month, dude. For like for <laughs> you a need while to switch now. doctors. Get a different Something, opinion. Yeah. Hey, we didn't get rid of this stuff yet. <laughs> Exactly. How many <laughs> rounds of antibiotics? That's so good for your system. So anyway, so we'll be hanging out with some family, just going across town, seeing some in-laws and, you know, bringing home leftovers for the poor sick girls in the family. So, oh, yeah, you're going out of town, though. Yeah, it was my sister's 50th and everybody came to Nashville to do it. So there's this great Airbnb that we've rented before a couple of years ago. Yeah, that is I mean, for every for any listeners out there who want to come to Nashville and do an Airbnb, and you've got family, you got kids, mm-hmm. like this is your freaking place, man. It's formerly owned by it's up in Madison, 
mm-hmm. Tennessee, which is what 15 minutes from Nashville. Yeah. Um, it's owned by a former like Hall of Fame songwriter. Hmm. Um, I don't know who that songwriter is, but it's this house is gorgeous. It's less expensive to Airbnb it than you think, but especially if you have like multi-families in there. Yeah. But there are six bedrooms. Oh, nice. With king or queen size beds. Mm-hmm. There's two kitchens. There's two pools. There's an indoor heated pool and an outdoor pool. There's two hot tubs. There is a volleyball and a mini putt putt thing in there. And there's a huge game room for all the kids. And my big game room, I mean, there's a pool table. There's an air hockey table. There's a wow. ski ball game. There is the, the, the arcade <laughs> basketball shoot game yeah. with the hoop that moves. There's all the old cool vintage old video games, including like a bank. And I mean a bank. There's like at least four of the Sega motorcycle games where you sit on them and it oh, leans wow. to the left. Dude, it's cool as hell, man. And it's so. And this was a songwriter that could afford this. Yeah. Well, Hall of Fame songwriter back in the day. So oh, no, you know, back in the day, back in before when you can get a cut and make forty uh, grand off just on mechanicals on an album cut. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, That's those right. days. Those are the those are the days. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, it was just uh, it was really fun. So um, obviously, my my sister and her family came down from Louisville. It was her fiftieth. Mm-hmm. My my baby sister came down from with her family from Menasha, Wisconsin. My dad flew out with his wife. Some of my cousins came out. So, and some of their friends from Louisville came. So it was like a big, huge deal, but it's all like, we all hung out. I mean, the only time we left the house was go out for like a special dinner. We, we hooked up. Yeah. And we were gonna like go downtown after that. I had some friends that were playing down on Broadway and line some stuff up for her and make a mm-hmm. big deal about it. But it was like, no, we'd rather just go back to the house and the fire pit and, <laughs> You know, me and my brother-in-law, yeah. brother-in-law are just drinking and around the fire pit and having a good time. And everybody just has to crawl to bed when they're done. And yeah. um, we played a lot of cards and the kids just, you know, kept themselves busy with all this stuff that's in there. I mean, it's just a great, it's a, like a, it's a family time party house. You know what I mean? Which is just great. There's so much for the kids. And there's like a bunch of uh, Murphy beds that come out of the wall and oh, pull yeah. out beds on the couches. So it's like, dude, you, I mean, we had... One, two, three, four, five, six people in there with with six couples with one, two, three, four, five, six kids. Jeez, you know, so it's like there's plenty of uh, plenty of room, and when everybody splits it, it's like it's nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's so keep this place in mind. So when we have a climb, you know, music business and songwriting retreat, because I want to play some skee ball. Dude, uh, this would be the perfect. I think we. We've, <laughs> hold on, I'm having da- I'm having stupid recall. We've had this conversation before when I first described this house a couple of years ago. On the <laughs> we show. probably did. And you said the same thing. It'd be great for a songwriter retreat. Like, oh yeah, uh, dude, it's so great. Take a little house. swim break. Yeah, d- d- you know, get it during the summer. Yeah, take a little swim break. There's, I mean, there is. There's like uh, four ovens in the kitchen, and there's two kitchens. But there's like four ovens in one of the kitchens. So I couldn't believe like, you know, my cousin and one of my sisters were cooking up some stuff for breakfast and they had like three or four ovens going at the same time. And they're just happy as clams. That's how you, you know what it. I mean? Because it's all, there's no time. Everything can go at the same time. And it's just like awesome. Mm. So it was, yeah, it was super, super cool. All right, we and, and it's like, and you're on this like super private property. It's all gated in. You have to get a mm-hmm. code to get in. But literally a half a mile away is like a Walmart. 
you know, right yeah. off of one nice. of the main drags in Madison. So it's like you're right there if you got to run out and get ice or something like that. Yeah. It okay. was just, it was cool. So we're going to learn secret stuff today. If we ever get around to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like it's been a while since I talked to you, man. So, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk. We're going to open up my little book of spells here. I have this. I've talked about it before, but this James Clear. Uh, he's an author. He wrote Atomic Habits, and it's but this Clear Habits Journal. I finally broke down. I kind of got it for myself for my birthday in September. I'm going to use it for the next year. You know, just kind of facilitated. Put a couple of journals in one spot, and I thought, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking on working on the business versus working in the business. You know, mm-hmm. and I have two businesses, you know, Songwriting Pro, which kind of the climb goes with that. But then I also have, you know, songwriting. So I'm just going to dive in on some of my brainstorming and kind of how I'm planning to attack the songwriting side of things. Because y'all really don't care how I'm going to attack Songwriting Pro. But how I'm going to attack that uh, in 2023 and just like just hopefully give some insight to what I'm thinking and may spark some ideas for you. And, and you know, the, it's toward the end of the year. People are thinking about the next year and like. How do I want to do next year better than I did this year? So it's a little bit of that stuff too. Will hopefully inspire you. So yeah. Well, and, and hey, it. so before we get started, uh, you know what? Let's just skip over the kudos stuff real quick. Let's just go right into it because I'm excited to get into this. But I have to give you kudos for three minutes in the truth. Oh well, thank you. So if you guys haven't seen this, it's a new little pull-out piece that Brent's doing. It's awesome. Like it's it's its own post-production. It's like this little thing it's like three three minutes of killer material you know mm-hmm. and it just helps you on these on these all these different songwriting stuff so it's in the same feed as um as the client so yeah. you don't have to go find it it's like right there i just want to make you like what's three minutes in the truth precisely Exactly. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> we've dropped one episode by the time this episode drops that you're listening to right now, but we have another one. Oh, of downloads. And so it's, yeah, so it's there. And uh, Johnny loves it really because he, he it's no touch for Johnny. I do it I was all. like, this is amazing post production. I'm well, really, really surprised. I did nothing on this. <laughs> 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 you get your kids in there, like, you know, Ozzy's yeah. like uh, introducing, here's my dad, hit songwriter, Brent Baxter. And I'm like, that's so adorable. Oh, thanks. We figured, you know, it's family business, it feeds the family. Let's get the kids involved. It's like old school, like, come work the shop, you know? <laughs> come on. Come grab on, the carburetor over there and, and, and grab me a cigarette. Yes, exactly. So it's going to be one of those things where, like, years from now, I'm listening to those sweet little voices. Except for Randy's like, three minutes and hello. You know, he's already 19. But (laughs) the rest of them, their sweet little voices are going to change. You'll be like, oh. Can you say three minutes in the truth, Hazel? Close enough. Yes. Close enough. (laughs) We'll take it. (laughs) All right. So so let's get into this. All right. So um, James uh, James Clear, Clear Habits Journal. And it's kind of consolidated like 30 of my journals at once. And I'm just a journal nut. I, I like having them and taking notes on paper and stuff. And so what I figure I'm going to do today is just kind of thumb through it, let you know some of the stuff that's in there, how I use it. And this is I'm not trying to sell you on the journal. It's that part's not important. I don't, I don't have an affiliate link or anything like that. But just hopefully sharing some of my thought processes, if that can spur some thoughts for you to apply to what you're doing and your songwriting or artist climb. So that's the point. I'm not trying to sell you on a journal, but this is right. So no, no affiliate link, but this is, but this is, uh, 
the tool that you use. Yeah, this is yeah, where I'm keeping cool this stuff. It used to be like in three or four different journals, and now I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have this. It's gonna be really cool. By the end of it, it's gonna be like a year, you know, birthday to birthday, almost a, an annual, a yearbook of like, well, this is a bunch of stuff of my music business stuff that I can keep on a shelf and pull back and go, oh wow, that's when I wrote that title down. But so first thing in here is it has like a page a day um, or a line per day calendar for you know one line for 12 months worth right so 31 up to 31 lines in a um, thing and it's it doesn't have the it's not already set up like a calendar but it has the month down the side you just circle the month you're in and it has one through uh-huh. 31 so you can start whenever any time of the year so i started mine in september because that's my birthday month and like i said it was a birthday gift to myself but we've talked recently about the song title habit so I try to come up with a song title every single day and I mark it, you know, and I write it down. So I keep it in this. So that's one journal that I was keeping separately. Now it's in one spot. And so I try to come up with a song title every day that may come from um, a line I hear in another song. It may be something that somebody says and maybe looking around my office going, oh, I got to come up with something. What's in here? Or looking through. Looking through lyrics, I've, you know, an old school CD rack behind me and I'll pull off a random rock or country or whatever, you know, CD where they still have liner notes with lyrics in it. And I'll start thumbing through looking for a phrase that just sparks something. And so it's like every day trying to get some sort of line. Yeah. So I've been, I've been doing that for, I've been doing that for a while now. So I will never run out of titles. They're not all good or maybe they are. And I just haven't come up with the angle yet. I don't know. But so that's one thing I keep. Uh, at yeah. The beginning. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Say that again. They're not all good, but well, maybe, maybe they, they are. are. Because you had some that you thought were good when you put them in your book, and then you thought they're not so good. And mm-hmm. then uh, seven years later or 10 years later, whatever it was, you go back and do song title challenge. You're like, oh, that one's really good, and I got a cut yeah. on it. Then got a cut. Right. So you don't, you don't know. I mean, there's one that I did r- earlier this month. So it's a years old title. Uh, it's, at, it's at least a thousand or two back in my list uh, doing my song title challenge that I was like, I don't know. I don't feel this being a country thing. I don't know. It's like, well, maybe it's a bluegrass thing. And once I hit upon, oh, this could be a tempo bluegrass thing. That'd be pretty cool. I was writing with, I was writing with my, uh, my buddy, Jerry Sally, who's you know been nominated for the National Songwriters Hall of Fame, ton of bluegrass cuts, Grammy nom, just, you know, he's just great. And we were writing and we were finishing up some other songs, like doing some rewriting and stuff. And at the end, I'm like, hey, I got this idea. And I told him the title and kind of my thought, he's like, oh my gosh, that's a hit. That's so good. Why'd you wait till the end? I'm like, well, we're rewriting some other stuff, you know? So we have a day on to, to work on that one, but he was totally stoked about it. Nice. And so that's the thing of like, it went on there. I was like, yeah, I kind of know how you could write it, but I'm not sure how market appropriate it is for country right now. I don't know. You know, it just feels like, a, but then you hit upon, Oh, maybe it's a bluegrass thing. And he's like, Oh, it's definitely a bluegrass thing. Like we're going to get the sucker cut. We haven't even written it yet. You know? So, nice. yes. Um, so I was excited about the idea. Exactly. Which part of it is just find the right home, the right lane for that idea. That's appropriate for certain market or certain type of artist. So anyway, that's fun. So I keep my song title habit there. So I carry this notebook in the house, you know, every evening I have it in there on the weekend so I can pop it open and go like, I got to come up with the title today. So no weekends off on that. So that's one thing I do in there. Another thing I do, you know, I have a bunch of songwriting pro stuff, ideas for the climb, you know, I just capture ideas like, oh, here's a possible 
episode, but we're really going to focus on the songwriting stuff. I also do like trip notes. For example, we did the National Nights International Songwriters Festival in Denmark in September. So I packed this notebook and on kind of what I do is on the, as we go, or at least on the plane ride back, I start doing my after action report. And so right. I keep it in this notebook. So I have notebooks on my shelf. I have one that, you know, when I first started making trips to Nashville, Hey, here are the meetings I had. I met with Mike Doyle at ASCAP in 2000. And you know, here's the songs we played for him. Here's what he thought. And which is kind of fun to pull back later when, you know, years later he was my plugger at major Bob and <laughs> like, Hey, remember we met and here's what you thought of my songs. He's like, uh Oh, um, <laughs> no, but that's great when you have like, I mean, I was like, I, looking at those, I was looking at like those, those, uh, those record label rejection letters. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. from some superstar, you know, yeah. who never gave a letter. Yeah. So here's what you thought of my, my stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. This one um, went on to go number four. You know. Right, that kind of thing. And so uh, so one day it's just fun to kind of have that that record of of the climb, right? Of going, oh, this, you know, oh, here's where I met this person. And then years later, like, wow, that turned into something. Or, oh, I was pretty excited. <laughs> that did turn out, you know, because oh, yeah. plenty of both those. And that's fine. That's how when it goes. When do we start talking about the climb? Do what? So you got a record of when we started talking about the oh, climb? No, because I, I, like once I moved to Nashville, I didn't, I wouldn't, I would do meeting notes, but not, I don't keep receipts on like all like conversations and stuff, but like a record of like my creating leverage in the music business climb, like, you know, making trips to Nashville, my first PRO meetings, publisher meetings. So like anytime I'd go in and play, that was the notebook I I brought in and have the title there and take notes on what they, the publisher or whoever, or A&R person said about it. So that's interesting to keep that stuff. Um, and so you can go back and look through it and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I've played those songs for anybody in the business, you know, now 10 yeah. years later. But say like the National Nights thing. So I put the dates on there and I'm like, notes. OK, you know, here's one note. Relationship building is so much more organic and hopefully long lasting on trips versus like going out in Nashville. Like one National Nights festival is worth like 10 Nashville trips as far as relationship building goes or yeah, I think that's just going true. out and just, you know, just trying to go, okay, what did I learn from this? What are some of the takeaways? Yeah. You're in this environment and Johnny, you know, you've seen it like, you know, people so much better. And then you follow up at like the freak show and you're seeing all these people like, Hey, how you doing? And you kind of, you know, keep yeah. the relationship warm. Um, another takeaway is like, I really like interviewing big hit writers in front of a live audience. How do I do that more? Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm capturing thoughts, things that stuck out to me. By the way, uh, hold on a second. I keep interrupting you on this, but but you're making my mind work now. That's how we do it. I think the coffee's starting to kick in. Um, there we go. If you need a bathroom break. Who else is thinking about that? Like, who else is thinking about, what do you mean? I, like, I love interviewing big hit songwriters in front of a live audience. That's fun. That's cool. I mean, that's such yeah. a very, very specific thing. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> But it was a specific experience, and I enjoyed the fire out of it. Yeah, it's interesting. So it was fun to ask, you know, Tony Lane in front of his wife. So what would your wife say about being married to a songwriter? He's like, why don't you ask her? (laughs) 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 I don't know, but I'm very uncomfortable right now. (laughs) (laughs) Tony Lane's hot wife. He's he's got a hot wife. (laughs) Way to go, Tony. Way to go, Tony. He is one of the coolest cats in Nashville. Yes, he is. 
anyway, but just thinking about like, huh, could that be a thing? Like, I enjoyed that. Could that be a thing that could, you know, which always just helps the songwriting side because you get to, like, I, you know, got to sit down. I didn't know Lee Thomas Miller before. He's a big hit writer, like, you know, in color. Um, man, you're, I think you're going to miss this was one of his. Um, so just a yeah. great writer, big hit writer. And so we got to sit down on, on that, and which hopefully we're going to drop these as episodes of the climb coming up. We need to do that around Christmas to be a good little break, but, um, you know, sit down yeah, and have a conversation, uh, hopefully an intelligent conversation for, in that case, 45 minutes. Um, and then we, okay, now he knows who I am. You know, we bumped into yeah. each other before, but it's like, oh, okay, well, so that feeds. Yeah, not for nothing. Like, if I can just, if I can just shamelessly plug us, <laughs> Uh, you know, Blue Foley, who set up that festival, mm-hmm. said that Lee Thomas Miller was like, they got such good feedback from that. So so the first year, um, you got sick and you couldn't make yeah. it, but we didn't do that in front of an audience. We just had like a media room, which was not where the big song, it was in the compound that all the writers were staying in, but not mm-hmm. the big hit song. The big hit guy, the juice of the yeah. show, they were in hotel rooms, you know? Yeah. And their media room was in the compound. So they had to be mm-hmm. like bust to the compound which is a couple mm-hmm. miles so it was a pain in the ass to herd the cats yeah so this time they just were like well man you know everybody enjoyed the interviews though when, mm-hmm. when we got them done because it was different i mean you and i really even though you weren't there mm-hmm. you and i were texting and like okay what questions should we ask it was very yeah. much uh, a collaborative effort on both our parts you know but so this one when we went live we did it and man i've, I've gotten uh, I, well, I saw a couple of people from Norway that were at the. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were well, you were there. Yeah, that? we were at at the local, and uh, those folks from from Norway were there, and they were just like, "Man, we love watching those interviews. It was just so great. Like they really dug, you know, that part of the festival." Mm-hmm. And Lee Thomas Miller told all the writers gave him good feedback to Blue and and to um, Stefan who are the founders, but Lee was like, you know what? I'm going to come back and do this again next year. Cause, cause of those interviews, that was his favorite part of the whole festival. Of all the performing that he did in front of audiences, mm-hmm. songs and everything. Like he loved the interview thing. And, uh, you know, and we did have, we had some fun with Bobby Pinson. Like, <laughs> yes. I should say Lee had some fun and we watched, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, it was, uh, it, it was it was super cool, man. You know what I mean. Yeah. And they dug it. They they really enjoyed it. So, it, not only does Lee Thomas Miller know who you are, you know, but he has a very pleasant moment in his mind that involves you and me. Oh, right. N- not not a bad thing. Not a bad yeah. thing. Um, so there are notes in here like, "Ooh, follow up for the climb." I hear people I met that we should get on the climb. So basically, let's make translate for you as a songwriter is I went out and met these people. Here's people I need to follow up with. Here's yeah. people I need to follow up with. Here's maybe some ways I need to follow up with them. I have notes on, okay, I wrote this song with Hush, which is a popular Denmark duo. They seem to like it. You know, their names, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, so major I, label duo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Been going strong for like 20 years. I have notes on like, oh, I need to follow up with so-and-so for co-writes. I need, you know, that sort of thing. And then I have a list. Uh, so each kind of trip I make or event like this, I have my follow-up tasks. And I sit there and I do a little checklist right there in the notebook of going, okay, I need to follow up with so-and-so about co-writes. I need to schedule podcast interviews. I need to Zoom with these you know, writers. I need to follow up with so-and-so because we talked about they wanted to connect me with so-and-so. Let me write that down. 
and I need to follow up with them to connect me with so-and-so and that sort of thing. And then I even do some of like, you know, I have this little section called, you know, the matrix, which is like the, the web of connections. Like, okay, so this person is friends with that person, that person, that person. They write with these people, they blah, 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 blah. And, you know, oh, here's Tracy Hitch. She works with these people. She's an artist, a writer manager. And, and just trying to capture that stuff because you get so busy, especially if you do it like if you're coming to Nashville and doing a trip or something like that or a conference. You like drink from the fire hydrant. It's just like blast you with all this stuff, all these people you meet. People don't really do business cards as much anymore or whatever. So I'm making notes while it's still fresh going, okay, here's what I need to do. Here's notes. Here's little bits of you know miscellaneous about, oh, Eric Erdman's number one artist writer is David Wilcox from North Carolina. He's one of my favorites too. Like I'm going to write that down and capture that. Why? It may come in handy. Yeah. Or it may just be like, oh yeah, we can talk about that next time so-and-so has a single drop or whatever. So that's one thing that's really important that I keep in you know, my, my book is, hey, wrote this with so-and-so, here's follow-ups, all that stuff. So I can go back and I looked at it and go, oh, you know what? I have from like the National Nights thing, almost everything's checked off now. I followed up with pretty much everything that needs to happen. Yeah. Another thing I do is just capture like random songwriting notes. I have a section for that, which might be, hey, I needed to approach so-and-so about this idea. I think they may like it. Hey, I need to get connected to this artist through this person. And maybe I'll do that by having them on the climb, blah, blah, blah. So it's like action items, like to-dos, thoughts. Here's a song idea that I didn't have my phone handy or something. I wanted to, you know captured on had to capture it on paper or whatever or went out and met this person so a bunch of like just kind of random stuff that i find that if i capture stuff digitally i don't i don't it's like gone it's like in the ether right if you Mm -hmm. do notes on my laptop or whatever well laptops kind of when i'm busy and i'm working i may not go back to wherever that file is but i'm finding that on paper in this notebook i just carried around with me like not a pacifier but your head's always in that book it it uh, every day, really every day, is. right? Because I'm going to open it up for my daily song title habit, right? Yep. So I'm going to open the book, and I, and at the end you'll see why I'm really opening it up even more so every day, several times a day. So I'm like it's right there, and I can thumb through it. I have a little bunch of bookmarks in it, those little sticky note bookmarks, so I for different sections and so that sort of thing. It, it's a place to also capture some of my brainstorming. There's a thing I was reading in a a uh, oh Tim. Um, Tim Ferriss book called uh, tribe of mentors. He just interviews a bunch of successful people, ask them questions, mm-hmm. whatever. And so it's a bunch of bite-sized chunks from that. And one guy said, you know, when he's feeling overwhelmed or having problems, he does the, the five whys, and he'll go through there. Uh, and he talked about, basically you start with, you know, what's the problem, the outcome I didn't like. And you go, well, why, why did I get that result? Why? You know, here's the answer to that. Why, why that? Oh, yeah. His thing would be like the example might be we didn't hit our fourth quarter sales numbers. Why? Well, not enough people purchased. Why? We didn't reach out to enough people. Why? We didn't make enough sales calls. Why? Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. Yeah. No. And so it kind of gets to the trying to get to the root of the problem, trying to diagnose the disease, not the symptoms. Yep. I thought, well, that's cool. So I was, you know, out by the, I was having a little solo campfire night one night. I just took my notebook out there and it's like, 
I'm just going to think about this because I definitely have things that bug me and the results I don't like. And like, I'm just going to do this. Yeah, that's what I do around a campfire sometimes. <laughs> yeah, nerd. Anyway. All by yourself. All by my, oh, yeah, it was. I'm like, yeah, kids are watching a movie inside. It's like some of my chill time, you know, sit out there yeah. and have a little fire and just a little, yeah, campfire therapy. But one of my questions was like, okay, why am I not getting enough outside cuts? Okay. Major outside cuts. Hmm. Okay. Because, you know, we all want more. Doesn't matter how many you get more. I'm not getting more. So well, my answer to that why was, well, my best songs aren't getting heard by decision makers, like by key decision makers. Okay. We don't feel like your best why? songs are getting heard by key decision makers. Why not? Oh, second why. <laughs> you know, not enough key decision makers know, like, and trust me. Why, why not? <laughs> oh, there's why. Well, we haven't spent relationship building time together or someone that they do know, like, and trust isn't playing my songs for them. Enough. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> now it's just, just getting more and more painful, right? Right. Why have you not spent more time, that time together? It's like, well, I haven't put in enough work to facilitate that and to make it happen, right? Because I'm taking ownership here. It's not like, well, because excuse. No, no excuse on the why. This is what you can handle. Nepotism. Right? Ownership. Ne- nepotism. Nepotism, right. Because nobody's cutting outside songs. Well, that ends the conversation. No, you need to answer a why with something that you're accountable for. Yeah. Take, take ownership. Okay, so why have I not spent that time together? Well, I haven't put in enough work to facilitate that and make it happen. So I'm assuming I can make it happen. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Okay, why have you not spent that time? So that's the fifth why. It's like, well, I get busy with immediate stuff, with songwriting pro stuff, with climb stuff, with during my work day. I, mm-hmm. I get these other distractions. You know, and you can just keep going, well, why? Well, I haven't delegated enough of that. Well, why haven't you done it? Well, because I got to sit down and I got to train Ren and it's kind of a pain, you know, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, so you go through the pain. Of tra- so I, I, I'm in touch with that emotion. Yeah. It's like, you know, we have new interns every semester and with what we do on digital marketing, it's so 
it's like next level. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like they've not they don't teach this crap in school. You no. know what I mean? And they shouldn't be teaching social media in college, but they do. It's I don't know fluid. why. It's yeah. outdated by the time they teach it. Yeah. Yeah. It's outdated by the time they think about teaching it. Yeah. There's a great book. I can't remember the name of the book, but it's it's about McDonald's. Okay. Like here's a great trivia question, right? This is I talked to business owners about this, but it's like who runs McDonald's? Who runs the McDonald's stores? A bunch of eighteen year old kids. Kids. Kids, right. Kids. Yeah. Who have no idea how to run a restaurant. How the how, why? Why does that happen? Because they have such amazing systems. Yeah. That a sixteen year old kid can go and open up a McDonald's store mm-hmm. and oversee all these other kids and make it work and the owner doesn't have to be there. Right. So the systems of showing what to do, right? So when we're talking to interns, one of the things they're concerned with is like, this sounds really cool, but I know inside their head, they're like, I don't know any of this. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're feeling self-conscious. And I'm like, so look, here's the thing. We don't expect you to know any of this. Oh, (laughs) and then they lighten up. It's like, no, we're going to teach you. So here's what I need from you. I need you to want to learn. Yeah. I need you to be excited about it. And I need you to be an adult and show up and do what you say you're going to do. Because we don't do coffee and donuts internships at Daredevil. When you're an intern, you're working on real stuff. Yeah, same here. My two interns this past semester, Emma and Annie, they literally overhauled three sales funnels. Yeah. Complete overhaul. And that was, it was a lot of work and they just learned a lot. You know what I mean? It's just like, look at how this looks now. Look at how cool this is. Uh, the open rates got better and everything changed. And it was like, they, they're, they're rightfully prideful. Like yeah. I did that, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, now you see how this goes, see how this works. And they're like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's, it's that kind of a thing, but you gotta, you got, we don't expect them to know. Yeah. <laughs> you can do the pain of, of training uh, right then, or you can do the pain of having less time of the result. What happens downstream when you exactly. go backwards like this, it's like how you learn to think downstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It it's because sometimes, you know how we do song title challenge. And sometimes it's like, okay, look, the, the most obvious way to write this. Usually sometimes it is, but usually it's not the best way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So how should you write this one is what we say. Right. Yeah. Like, what's the best way to write this one? And so you have to dig a little. Right. You have to think downstream you have to mm-hmm. really dig. You have to really get creative. And then you start to be like, oh, no, there's the way. Yeah. That's just the cool angle on it. That's exciting. And two things. With song, just a quick shout out to song title challenge is one is that it. it first of all, you do that and we get you get to hear people on the podcast, including you as a hit songwriter and a guest who's a hit songwriter go through that motion and flex that muscle. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is like, once you start doing it, it's not like this elusive magic trick anymore. Right. You just become used to like, okay, I know if I take this wrench and put it on that bolt and Mm -hmm. crank it, I'm going to tighten it up if I go to the right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and and the outcome is that I'm seeking is there, right? right? You have faith in the process, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so you just, all of a sudden the, the, it, it calms everything down. And yeah, when you're thinking, when you're going backwards with the why, 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 mm-hmm. why, then all of a sudden you're realizing like, holy crap, like right here, this is a big, huge freaking log jam yeah. that's screwing up my life six months from now. Exactly. It's exactly. screwing up my goal six months from now. Like I'm not reaching these goals and this is the log jam right here. I'm not training. 
uh, my I'm not delegating enough. I'm not delegating enough or I'm spending too much time on things that are immediate but not important long term, that sort of thing. So it, allow, it, get, it kind of leads you to your action items, which that's what I have below here is I have my five whys and then I have, okay, here's the fix. Here's some brainstorming on the fix. And I just brainstorm, right? Because it's my notebook. Uh, this is not in stone. It's in paper. It's like, here are a bunch of ideas on stuff I can do to free up more time and I need to schedule it. And Johnny, one of the a week or two ago when we were talking, I was talking about this whole know, like, and trust thing because it just helps everything. The more people that know, like, and trust you, it just makes everything easier and gives you so much more opportunity and everything. And you call it, and you mentioned it's a funnel. You know, you put a lot of people at the front on, on the top end into the funnel, and then, you know, yeah. you're going to inevitably, several are going to wash out. You're not going to connect. They're just not going to like you, maybe, or whatever. Or they won't ever really get to know you. But then you have ones that pop out the bottom, and that's the super valuable ones. But you just throw a bunch in the, the top. So I started calling it my no like, and trust funnel. And going, okay, I need to create this no like, and trust funnel. I love and, that. Yeah, so because you know, if I name it, then I'm on it. You know, I'm, I'm a name mm-hmm. and claim it in a different kind of way. Like if I <laughs> as an acronym, it gets uh, to the top of the list. Acronym the or whatever. I'm like, I got to do this. I got a name for it. Like don't ever name a, a, you know, a dog unless you're planning on keeping it. Or don't name your Thanksgiving turkey. Then you're not going to form the spot, right? So anyway, so I have things like that brainstorming and action items and just to capture that. And, and you're like, well, maybe I don't want to write it down. But I've heard it said that thoughts untangle themselves crossing over the uh, lips and the pencil tips. You know, you yeah. have that friend that just wants to talk to you and they'll just brain dump all this stuff and they're looking for advice. And then by the end of it, they're like, oh, I know what to do. Thanks for the, helping me. And you're like, I didn't do anything but listen. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm kind of that way. My sister's that way. You know, a lot of people are that yeah. way. Yeah, I guess I'm that way with my dad. Sometimes I talk, mm-hmm. I'll talk, and my dad's just excited to hear about it. So he's, yeah. you know, getting off on the phone, like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm just like, then I'm, gonna, then I'm, gonna, I'm like, hold on, wait a second. And then I'm like, I, I got to go. Like, click, yeah. you know, like all of a sudden it sparks the next idea. Mm-hmm. And, and the climb is like that for me too. It's very cathartic. Like that. There we go. Like, I'm glad we, it's just one more service we provide. Um, so I have all these notes on like, okay, here's my no like and trust funnel, which is something that's so valuable for you climber as well. Like people got to know you, they got to like you and they got to trust you or you don't get opportunities. And yeah. so like, how do I not automate this, but how do I systematize this? And because it's such an important, it is the, I mean, songs, it's, it's hand-to-hand combat. Songs move hand-to-hand, move through relationships. It's a relationship and a network business. And yep. so if you're not taking your – man, that's a tree of life right there. If you're not feeding that tree of life, man, it's going to dry up and your career does too. The more you feed it, the more it grows and the better it is and the stronger it is. So it's like I don't want to leave this to happenstance to just as I'm going about it or because you know, it's like vitamins. You don't – Painkillers are easy. Painkillers get attention because I'm in pain. Take a painkiller. Vitamins may keep you out of pain a year from now. So it's easy to neglect them. So this is like, I got to take my vitamins, right? That's what the, you talk about thinking backwards. Like I'm not, I don't love the songs I'm writing. Why not? I don't know. They just seem mediocre. Why? Well, the ideas aren't great. Why? I don't know. I just didn't have any great ideas to write. Why? I don't spend enough time thinking about a great idea. What you know, and he's like, maybe yeah. I should prioritize a song title challenge or song title habit. And you start going, oh, so now I get to upgrade, and it flows downstream. So this, like, what are the pain points? Start asking yourself why five times, digging in, 
And there may be, you know, different branches that come off of that Y. Like one answer to why am I not getting more outside cuts? Well, another branch on that is my songs aren't good enough. So one is not enough key decision makers or know, like, and trust me to listen. The other branch might be, well, my songs aren't good enough. And that's always an answer. It's always yeah. make your songs. Well, why, why aren't they better? Well, and you start asking why, 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 which is leads you to doing actions that are going to strengthen your songs. And so you yeah. got these two things are working on building my relationships building that relationship tree. And the other one to strengthening my songs, you work on both those things and you're going to get better results. But like, hey, can, no, can I, can I interject one thing yeah. here real quick? Like the most toxic words that come out of every business owner's mouth. And guess what? If you're a songwriter, if you're an artist, an indie artist, you're a business owner. Yes. Right. I mean, Brent teaches the art, the craft and the business of mm -hmm. songwriting. Okay. So you're a business owner. And when it comes to systems, like some of those answers are going to be systems. How mm -hmm. do I delegate more of that to other people in the band? Well, the most toxic words are, well, <laughs> I can do it quicker than it's going to take me to teach them. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, so you're talking about today. Mm -hmm. So guess what? You're, tr you're right. You can yeah. do it faster than you can teach them. Uh, you have to teach them a couple times before they start to get the hang of it. Mm -hmm. And that log jam's fixed. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's eliminated. And now you've got more water flowing downstream. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the grass gets way, way greener. Yeah. Downstream, you know? So I'm thinking about those things that you were talking about when you went backwards on your why. And it's like, okay, well, I got to train Ren to do this and blah, 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 and have some mm -hmm. more, you know? And I've, I've, I've had the same thing. Like, okay, I've got to train the interns mm -hmm. so now i have to put some deep think yes not on marketing prowess or anything mm -hmm. like the things that i love to creatively get off on when i go on right. deep think i've got to think up and then create content to systematize the training mm -hmm. of my regular interns yes so that they can add more value and learn more yes it, right? they're better off you're better off it's a pain in the ass <laughs> yeah well, and, let, and I don't have a lot of time to do it, but if I don't do that there, I'm always going to have, have issues more time. Yeah. down the street. Yeah, you know well, what I mean? So it's like you got to go through that that systemization. I remember when we came in to your office and I brought Ren in and you trained him on like how to edit the podcast, how to do the first yeah. round of edits and taking out your Tourette's. And so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, you know, it took we were there for hours. That episode that you were working through, like, you know, to do the edits, well, that episode took a lot longer than it normally would for you just to do. Yeah. But yep. how much time are you spending editing now? None. There we go. You just do zero, pro, right? Yeah. Well, now that's or or at the very worst, in the worst case scenario, I'm spending 10% of the time that I used to spend editing. Yeah. Just, you know, just making sure everything's good. But I'm to the point now with Ren where uh, most of the time, I don't listen to it. The only yeah. I'll, I'll put it this way: the only way I listened to it was because I was like interested, like extra interested in what we said. Yeah, and so I want to hear it back myself because I'm right. just interested in how it came off. And so I have a, and uh, maybe it's an ego thing or just a curiosity or whatever. But most of the time, and not to say that they're any less interesting, but sometimes I feel like I hit the note on a certain, you know, <laughs> yeah. my podcast. And I want to hear it back and, and hear how it came off, but I'm not listening for edits. I'm listening to the content. You know what right. I mean? So, but most of the time 
that's like maybe 10 or 20% of the time. Like, so 80 or 90% of the time, I just upload the files. Like they're edited. Yeah. I trust, I know, like, and trust friend. There you go. <laughs> and you know, so much more time now. So they're well, edited. Yeah. So I just do post-production. So that's how it works guys. Just so you know, like, you know, Brent and I do the podcast, mm-hmm. we record it and then we send the files, Ren downloads the files, edits the files just to tighten them up. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes I ramble and take 30 seconds to get to a point that, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's 30 seconds of your time that we don't need to waste. So we spend extra time trying not to waste your time. Okay. And there is some Tourette's in there, but not a lot. We're not really hacking out yeah. expletives as much as we are. Just um, me being a moron when I can't figure out what I want to say, but I still want to talk for a minute. I hate to uh, say it. Ren's English has gotten worse since you've been editing the podcast. Ren has gotten significantly and measurably dumber from this job. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Thanks for editing. But then I get the edited files back and then I put the, the I do the post-production, right? So I do the EQ and the compression, mm-hmm. all the sound stuff on it, and then put the music bumpers in there, upload it, and then I put it together on the platform. Yes. And, and then what happens after it drops, it comes back to me and certain episodes I have Ozzy, my 11-year-old, listen to and make pull quotes. Like he'll pull quotes yeah. out of it. Like, oh, so he listens, like, that's a good quote. And he'll write it down with a timestamp. I approve them. And then he goes into Canva and makes the quote cards. So like the quote cards that you're starting to see, you know, come yeah. through the climb community and Facebook. Of the Ozzie. newer ones, that's my 11-year-old. And, you know, I up his allowance for that. Yeah. You know, it's, he, uh, he headhunts. He's he, making he, money. He are, it's yeah. a family chore, right? It's a chore. It's like, take out the trash. Like, here you go, but he digs it. And so significantly cooler than taking out the trash, significantly cooler. And he loved the episode yeah. about, uh, the, you know, the guy that challenged me to a songwriting duel was the first one he listened to. He's like, this is, this guy's nuts. I'm like, yes, I thought you'd like that one. I wanted to start strong with you. He's like, this this fool, what's this fool doing? <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's freeing up time. Cause I, I want to keep that content going and, but that frees up time and it gives me and him something to do. But anyway, so, you know, I'm working through like my thoughts on this no like and trust fund. Like, okay, what do I need to do? Who do I need to reach out to? You know, what are the what are the steps? Identify people I want to put in the funnel, that people I want to get to know. Okay, maybe put them in buckets. Like, maybe they have different funnels on how I'm going to approach them, how I'm going to get to know like and get them to know like and trust me. And so I have pages of that going. Oh, here are you know, current artist co-writers or recent artist co-writers. So they're warm connections of right with all the, you know, these artists, well, who are some cold or orbiting artists? Like maybe we wrote 10 years ago, but they've blown up since then. And we haven't talked in a long time or I'm orbiting around them, but we haven't connected yet. Here's a list here. So that's brainstorming goes in there. Here's same thing with like producers and that sort of thing, label people. And you start going, okay, start filling out the buckets and go, okay, how do I want to approach them? Well, systematize, right? It doesn't take as much thought if you systematize it and get a plan. Like that's why song title habit leads to song title challenge, leads to better ideas to go into a co-write and boom, it just everything, every step gets, the song gets better and better. For this, it may be, well, these people I want to have on song title challenge, because that's a an easy step for us to play in the sandbox. They come on. It's like, Hey, we want to expose you to our audience, get you some, you know, likes and clicks and that sort of thing and, and play and have fun. And we get to fill each other out on like, Hey, do we like, are we bouncing ideas? Well, does this work? Are they enjoyable? And, but it's an easy thing. It's like, you know, 30 minutes of their life and we get to fly their flag and say how awesome they are. But 
then then maybe I follow up going, hey, maybe there's this event with songwritingpro.com that we can do, or hey, you know, and you just start kind of stairs that ladder of no, that, okay, I've been around Brent and he's he's had me on his show and or he's paid me for this event and you know I've been adding value and like oh you know we've hung out enough that hopefully I like him and then if it comes down to hey, I got the song idea, I think you'd be awesome on. Well, maybe I'm more open to that because we played in the sandbox a little bit, mm-hmm. that sort of thing and you know, he's proven himself to be professional and trustworthy or, Hey, can I send you a thing or whatever that might be? Right. So that's part of figuring that out. What are these, you know, what are the hopeful outcomes of these no like and trust, this no like and trust funnel. So I'm working all that out on, on paper here. And, and so that's part of how I'm planning to attack next year. You know, another thing is that a buddy and I are talking about, we feel like we write really good stories really good songs together, but there's not getting the outside cuts that we want. So part of that is that five whys, you know, things I'm going to attack that. Another thing is like, maybe we should do some song starts, go get some really strong verse course ideas or chorus ideas, and then start shopping it through our system of artists and producers to see if we can get more outside co-writes in on this to get, Mm. therefore have an inside right instead of an outside right. Like mm-hmm. yeah, we don't need an artist on the song to make it a better song. We we feel confident we can do this well on our own. But hey, I'd rather have a third of a cut than fifty percent of a not cut, and fifty percent mm-hmm. of a demo bill. <laughs> I'd rather have a third of a royalty statement than a fifth than a half of a demo bill. Right. So yeah. that's part of how we're looking at attacking twenty twenty three. Is going okay. I'm working my no like and trust funnel on one end to get to know more people and have stronger relationships. Here's another angle we're going to come at is let's get eight or nine song starts that we feel really good about, talk about where we're going to aim these and then work to get to that person to see if they want in. And this is where I'm, you know, so this notebook is where I'm keeping all this stuff. I better not lose this notebook. Every once in a while I need to take a picture of a page. It's also when I'm reading through books, business books, thumbs, things that affect my thinking, I'll start, I'll take notes in the notebook because I yeah. may not always go back and look at the highlights, but it's here like, Oh, here's this new book. I'm reading practice. Perfect. Taking notes on things that I can maybe do follow up on. Uh, here's, you know, notes from a writer's retreat or writer's trip. Here's in the back is a list of like cuts and holds and releases I've gotten for the year. So just keep that in one thing. So when I go back 10 years from now, I go like, Oh yeah, that's what happened that year. And then at the end here, it has a habit tracker calendar. There are a couple of ways you can do this. I do one habit per calendar. So it's like, you can do a whole year's worth of one habit on one calendar, or you can do a bunch of different habits for one month and do like 12 of those months. So I do one habit per year calendar. For example, here's a uh, click to one that's relevant, my daily title. So not only in the front do I write my daily title habit, I mark off that day in the habit tracker section. And at the end of the month, I can total, total up like in September, I did 21 days. I got 21 daily titles. October, uh, it was better at 29 Great, because it's like that competitive. I want to beat last month. I don't like seeing those blank spaces in there because I never can go back and fill them in. And so it's keeping up with that. And I can look and see like, okay, here's where I've, if I write, if I work on a song, then that's, there we go. I get to mark that off. If I work on recording or revisiting, revising a song, moving it through the funnel, 
mark off that day if I get my access points, which means I reach out to 10 people in the business. So other than Johnny, because I talk to Johnny too much, so I'm not giving myself that easy one, right? <laughs> got to be co-writers, other people. You know, you can't, it's like, you know, Johnny, that's a cheat code. So if I hit the 10, which I track every day, then I get to mark that off. Then just make sure that I'm talking to people. I'm not getting all insulated and forgotten about. So that kind of stuff I track every day. And so I can look at it going, oh man, so far this year, I'm really not hitting this very well. Or, okay, I'm rocking along on this, which is mm-hmm. those daily vitamins that might not immediately lead to whatever outcome you want. But over time, you'll be able to see like, okay, if I'm doing this, it's going to lead to it. And if you don't think it's going to lead to it, don't track it. Why are you keeping up with this? If you don't think it's going to lead to something. So that's kind of like all those thinking backwards. I want this outcome. Here's ultimately, you know, the five whys down to the the log jam or the linchpin. And then I have my thoughts on, okay, here's how to overcome that. Here's what I need to do. Okay, what things are systematized that I need to track? Put that in my habit tracker and build a system to overcome these things. And then yeah. over time, it's going to get you, if not where you want to go, it's going to get you a whole lot closer. You have at least a chance to get where you want to go. You know what else? Those five whys, like it, it, Number one, it helps you really dig down to the root of the problem, mm-hmm. right? And, and find out where the log jam is. But the other thing that occurs to me is all of a sudden, I think if people did the five whys and worked backwards, mm-hmm. you'd probably never hear the statement, well, it's, you know, it's less time for me to do it myself than it is to teach them how to do it. Right. Because all of a sudden now you have a very clear understanding of what the value mm-hmm of that is on the end, like what's resulting uh, five whys later, uh, you know, downstream from the lack of this action right here. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden this is, Oh, this is costing me so much more to do it myself. Yeah. And it may not, it, you know, there's delegate, eliminate and automate, right? Those are three things this, this may lead you to if it comes down to like a time issue, like why am I not spending more time, putting working people through the no like and trust funnel. Well, I don't spend time on it. Well, why not? Okay. Well, I got these other things. So maybe things that I can just eliminate, which is just not do that other thing, replace it with this time. Maybe it's I'm spending too much time on just skimming Facebook or whatever. Whatever it might be, mm-hmm. or watching football or what zoning out, watching TV. Okay, maybe replace that. That's something I may need to eliminate. Maybe there's automate where oh yeah, I'm sp- you know, I got to pay these bills, that sort of stuff. Well, you know, you can put it on automated bill payment. Why don't you just take the hit, do that. That way you don't have to, it saves you like going to go buy stamps and, and writing yeah. the thing and walking out to the mailbox. It just happens and you get a statement. Okay. Got it. Or like I have, you know, my son Quill does, he d- helps, you know, clean the office and do filing for me. So this is a whole family business going on here. Yeah. So he'll come out on Friday and he helps like vacuum the, the floors here. And, and I put my like bills and stuff in an in a, uh, folder and he'll go file them and that kind of stuff. Cause it's something I don't have to do during my work. Yeah. So it, I delegate that some things are automated where, you know, you can use different things to Trying to see why you got so many Chinese kids in the house. That's a sweatshop. Start, start, start to see that. <laughs> you also making Nike shoes over the no, weekend? Uh, I can't talk about that. Uh, it's, uh, no. Nikes and Nokias. That's what we do. What can I 
automate so that I don't have to touch it. So some of the social media posting, you know, you do or batch processing, you do, we'll schedule out a whole bunch of like climb quote cards and that kind of stuff that you see that hopefully adds value to you. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, automate that, do it once, boom, boom, boom. So I don't have to be on five times a day to make sure post something in real time. So it's just much more efficient or eliminate certain things. Like, you know what, when I get down to all these whys, the answer is never X, whatever this other thing is. Huh. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to get me where I want to go. Why am I doing this? Maybe I don't need to do this thing at all. And maybe just eliminate it. And that frees up time. And then they're yeah. delegating. Maybe, you know, maybe I need to outsource my demos. Maybe I need to, because right now I'm not good enough. It's taken forever or whatever. You know, there might be some things depending on what your particular situation is, but then how to systematize things. So you don't, so it helps it make sure it happens. So I definitely systematize my, you know, my creative processes, which we talked about the other day on episode maybe 351, I think. It was how I overcome creative paralysis. It goes into, it's all like systematized. Right. Which I didn't, so I don't have to think about it as much. I don't forget about it as much. Yeah. I track it too. So anyway, I just wanted to share some of that with y'all. Because uh, hopefully, I mean, this is how I'm planning on on attacking the next year. Really, you know, but, but there's a huge piece of this just at thirty thousand feet. Hold on, a huge piece of this is it's measuring. Yes, and once you can measure something, and you put in just a, the the sl- slimmest amount of effort to write it down so it can be measured, then mm-hmm. it can be managed. Yes, you can't manage it until you can measure it. Right. It's like saying I want to write better songs. Okay. But nah, yeah, how do you? What do I yeah, do? About I, I want to be an astronaut too, but you know, okay, that's yeah. not gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> but yes, I want to write better songs. Well, how do you make that happen? How maybe that's the five hows? How how are you gonna do that? How are you gonna do that? How are you gonna do that? Mm-hmm. Write better songs is not the step one, right? It's that's a result yeah. of other things. Well, let's break that down and systematize these and and measure them so I can manage them and know whether or not I'm doing the things I'm going to do that are going to lead to the result I want. And so, yes. Hey, guess what? Creative business. Welcome to it. There's a lot of not creativity, but it may be creative in like how I'm going to, you know, it's my own system. I haven't heard anyone else use the song title habit, song title challenge kind of Mm -hmm. funnel really is what that is. Maybe that's it also helps your creativity be more profitable. Yeah, you know, it gives you more time to be creative. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does, and that's the thing. I can write more the more I am very efficient and effective on the other things. Yeah, because it frees up time. Oh, good. Now I can go write with so and so because I'm not having to do podcast editing all day. Right. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I just want to encourage you. You know, the hey, the three steps to becoming a a successful songwriter or a pro songwriter in the business, build strong relationships, write great songs, repeat. Those are the three steps. Write great songs, build strong relationships, repeat. There you, go. you keep doing that. Well, okay. How do I do that? And each one of those things, you break them You're out. Like, Precisely. Exactly. <laughs> how do I do that? How Precisely. Do, yes. How, how, <laughs> how, and why. Right. And then you, you start working it and you can start measuring progress. Like some days when it feels like nothing's happening, I can look and go, you know what? I've gathered all these song ideas. I've written so many of these song ideas. Here's what I've been doing. Trust the process. 
Like if I'm trusting the process, I'm moving forward, even if I don't really feel like it. Like maybe it's like, why do they keep in football? You know, we're in football season. God, why do they keep running that freaking run play? It's not getting them, but like two yards. Well, it's wearing Mm -hmm. down the D line in fourth quarter. Those two yards are going to become 20. Yeah. That kind of thing. Like we got to put in the work now to wear those guys down, just lean on them. And by the fourth quarter, it's going to start paying off. You can trust the process. Right, or we're setting yeah. them up for the play action. Trust the process, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, anyway, that's what I had. Hey, right now we have a uh, gosh, I have a lot of a lot of gifts for y'all. But let's start with six simple ways to make your songs more commercial. You can almost look at this as a checklist, and you can measure it and manage it your song creation. But it's six simple ways to make your songs more commercial. It's a free PDF download. It's also gives you a link to the podcast episode we did on that. So it's like an upgraded one, but it's free. It's at six, the number six, simpleways.songwritingpro.com. Six, simpleways.songwritingpro.com. You can go there or you can just go to songwritingpro.com and look around. You'll find free gifts all over the place. Just tell me where mm-hmm. I send you free stuff. Easter eggs. Easter, Easter eggs. eggs. I mean, we do have a tab that says like free gift up at the top. So that's the thing. <laughs> But yeah, happy to have you all tried out. (laughs) So that's what I have for today. All right, man. Well, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Yeah, all this podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.